this is Chris and Rick Talk Guitars. This is a special edition because we've got a shit ton of snow out there. And Chris is in West Seattle, and I'm in Shoreline. How's it going, Chris? It's going good. Things It's touch and go here in West Seattle. Me and the pack <laughs> hunkered down here. But um, yeah, we're, enough, we're doing okay. Oh, good. Enough pet food and ravioli and all that jazz? Let's hope so. we got a couple more days left, probably. But um, I think the animals are starting to look at each other a little bit suspiciously. <laughs> kind of like visions of chicken showing up in their little thought bubbles. But Oh, my gosh. I think we'll be okay for a while. Well, I hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, this is a special edition. Uh, we're, we're doing this remote, uh, so... <laughs> bear with us on the sound quality and all that other stuff but we wanted to keep this train rolling because it's it's been such fun and and uh we have a, an idea for a topic which is basically horror stories which covers uh the nasty things we've done or we've seen done to guitars and amps over the course of our lifetimes and it's it's fun to look at and and sometimes shameful I've told Chris a couple of my horror stories over the years. A couple that come to mind that I have done and participated in is one was I had this Les Paul copy that was not a bad copy. I, you know, had the wild hair to want to build my own guitar or whatever. So I stripped that sucker all the way apart, took the neck off and built this monstrosity of a body, not knowing anything about luthery or, you know, guitar building, as we we like to call it. And it, it was just a piece of crap that I built. That poor copy probably would have been more serviceable than what I built. And then the other one was that tweed amp that I alluded to earlier in, in our conversations where this friend of mine, uh, his dad had this cool old twin amp. And I don't even know what model it was, but it was really cool. And we wanted to make a stack. So we sawed that sucker in half and uh, made this ridiculous speaker cab and put our own ridiculous, like I think it was orange or some weird red uh, Tolex over it, and it was sad. So we we took perfectly good stuff that somebody could have used and made shit. How about you, Chris? You got anything well, come to mind? Thankfully, early on, I was so poor. The, the thing that saved me from like routing out pickup holes with hammers and screwdrivers was that I I didn't have enough money. I I couldn't afford to fuck it up, so I <laughs> stuck with stuff. And um, that's not to say that I wouldn't have done it if I would have had that. I have come across quite a bit of them. And one question that runs through my mind often is, when was the router invented? Because there's a whole series of guitars. A lot of these are student-level guitars, great guitars like Juniors and Melody Makers uh, that were routed out in the 70s. And no one thought to use a a router. So it's always like a hammer and a chisel or even a hammer and a screwdriver. (laughs) At some point, I think that stopped. But I would like to speak to that just for one moment. There's a lot of Gibsons. There's a lot of like melody makers, juniors, and these student level guitars that got modified. And in some ways, I mean, it's it's horrifying because they turned out to be really great guitars, not just as student guitars, but as, you know, rock and roll and great quality machines. But I think I'm more willing to give someone a pass back then because of what was available you know, and it was just a cheap guitar to them. It was like, okay, you know, I got this for 250 bucks. I can't really afford a Les Paul. But, and I got this pickup here. So if I can put the two together, I can get, you know, I can kind of see where their mind was going. Nowadays, we have very little excuse to yeah. like, take a screwdriver and a hammer and put a humbucker in, you know, a melody maker. But 
most of the horror stories I've experienced is something along the lines of that, like working in a guitar shop and through the door comes this beautiful early 60s melody maker somebody took to with, with hand tools. It's kind of horrifying. <laughs> uh, I've never, luckily, like I said, I've never been in a position to, you know, to butcher one of my own guitars because I just didn't have the money. You know, I, I couldn't even afford to buy an extra pickup. If I would have had an extra pickup sitting there and a guitar, I would have been very tempted to like, let me see if I can get this thing in here. And I don't have a router, so I'm going to use whatever I have. So see, that was that was a blessing, yeah, because it prevented you from doing. It, the stupid things that some of us did to these poor guitars. Yeah, and I think it's funny too. Like you said, I mean, the, the routers have been available for I think a long, long time. But it's it's probably like you know somebody's just got the inspiration to do this. It's like no, I got a chis I got enough tools to do this. I'm gonna just start hacking away at this thing. I should use a router, but yeah, I've got a chisel and yeah. And it's it's a drag because and you're right I can totally see the mindset I mean like like I said I bought into that shit too when I was younger but uh, in hindsight you you just feel sorry for all those poor guitars that were tortured and and disfigured and and made to be less than they could be now but another another thing in our era from the 70s was the big Floyd Rose uh, movement that's where my mind went yeah go ahead <laughs> yeah I. I saw firsthand all these neat guitars that uh, somebody had to have a whammy bar in that damn thing that, that quote, wouldn't go out of tune. Uh, and, you know, sure enough, they routed out the guitar for that big monstrosity of a, a trim system and drilled holes into the neck up by the nut to put the locking system in it. And, uh, yeah, oh, my God, just tons of guitars. I would love to see, like, how many really cool, like, vintage guitars were were uh disfigured for it all all for the uh purpose of installing a floyd on See, that's there. my question when i when my mind went there is okay i don't really happen i don't have my finger on the pulse of the floyd rose culture so i don't know is that something that's still i, I imagine it's probably still pretty popular but if you know thinking that if, it, if it's not really popular that is kind of an extra horror added where you know especially something like a gibson where you have to carve a you know the, this nice top you have to carve route a exactly. hole in it to drop this thing in. But I think people still use those. So I mean there was the Floyd Rose and there was the Kaler. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, and they have their 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 various profile of like disgusting holes that they left <laughs> <laughs> instruments. Then you can tell by looking at them, all right, that was a Kaler, that was a Floyd Rose. Oh, I've seen a lot of patched, you know, Les Pauls that had like Kaylers and Floyd yeah. Roses where they try to match that and I always like when I see that it put back, but you know, I know exactly. I'm not really qualified. I mean, I think you should buy a guitar that was designed to be the way it was, but I get that you, you know, customization and, you know, something, you know, getting something that works for you is, is valid, but I just never got, I'm not a whammy bar person, so I don't get that whole culture, but it was yeah. huge because you do see a lot of guitars that were kind of post factory fitted with those things. Yeah, and like you said, it was a huge deal, and it, I think in the '70s, with the advent of Eddie Van Halen, and all, and then once the '80s took off with all these hair bands and shit, and Jacksons and stuff, it was a big deal. I think bigger than now, actually, because that music was so hot and popular, right? And every all the guitarists were, you know, were shredders like Eddie, and they had to have a whammy bar where they could do the dive bomb crap. And then I think that did subside to some degree. I think people 
at large, I think they started to get more into like Bigsby's and and uh, and then or also just respect some of the trim systems that were stock and some of these guitars like strats and stuff, you know, and figure out ways to make those work like, you know, putting graphite in the nut and all that other jazz to, so that they wouldn't have to like take this cool 60 strat and drill holes in it and route the shit out for this boat anchor of a trim system. But yeah, well, I, I, re I remember those days vividly though, in the seventies and early eighties where people were just doing that to guitars. Like this dude I knew had a, an Explorer that was probably like a 76 Explorer that was super cool. And sure enough, he took it to somebody who will remain nameless and they did their damnedest to devalue that guitar. But yeah. Well now, I mean, now we have no excuse. A, because we actually know how cool these instruments are, so we, we, we know to leave them alone. And also, there's a huge modification market out there where you can buy parts, and you can just build your own thing, and a lot of people do that. Right. So right. I, think, I think a lot of these instruments are saved. I'll see. I kind of make parallels between, like, vintage effects now, like, then the mod craze. Like, I, I – kind of die a little bit every time I see like a, a vintage tube screamer with a hole drilled in the top <laughs> with one of those shitty switches on it, those shitty right. like nine pin or whatever they are, blue, like two bypass switches. Right. I mean, that's kind of bum. I mean, you do it. I mean, there's enough reissues that you can do it to a reissue, but um, an original, you know, it's like these, you know, people still, we want people down the road to be able to discover this stuff and be able to get examples that are not messed with. Exactly. Um, I'm not a mod person, but I understand. I get, I get that you know people want you know very unique things that apply to them. I'm more of a like find a cool guitar and make it work person. But you know now yep. there's enough stuff out there where you can build. I mean, lots of people build guitars, buy a body, buy a neck, do whatever you want to it. I mean, it's you know and leave the old stuff alone. I mean, <laughs> Fender had like the Mustangs and the Music Masters and the. Um, the Duo Sonics, those kind of those things tend to get butchered too because they were the entry levels. Right. And hopefully, as a guitar society, we're we're beyond that now. We can <laughs> we can fuck up whatever we want and leave the the other stuff alone for people who may want them. Let's so. hope so. Let's hope so. Amplifiers I too. In the seventies, there was a whole bunch of like amplifier mods that where that craze took off, and there was a lot of weird shit done to amps. And granted, you know, Fender. If you take the Fender amp company, they were doing a lot of crazy shit in the you know CBS eras. They were adding a lot of shit and like just a lot of sloppy like wiring and whatnot. So some people were, you know, I could see people going in there trying to make things better, but you know, right. you know, the basement head, for instance, if you take that, that circuit really never that I'm aware of really ever went through through any areas where it wasn't always a great amp. I mean, you can find a million silver face basements and they're just almost a perfect amp. Yeah. I don't you need master volumes and all this other shit. So, um, yeah, the amplifiers, amplifiers were, you know, kind of victims in the seventies <laughs> and eighties of the mod craze. And, um, now effects, I mean, uh, effects, are you know modification of effects and there was that hole which were thankfully coming out of that whole true bypass bullshit crazy oh my god that just you know where people wouldn't even consider an effect if it didn't if it wasn't true bypass and you know yeah. science was kind of caught up and made everybody aware of it now that it's not you know it's not the end all be all and you know what um leave the old stuff alone you know put it in a true bypass you know loop if you need to bypass but you know Chances are, why don't you 
see if you do actually need to bypass. Exactly. Crybaby, yes. I mean, you take a vintage crybaby, that is the toniest, suckiest thing you're ever going to find. I mean, it just shaves off everything. So, I mean, that's one you have to deal with. But put it in a in some sort of a bypass system and keep it. I mean, to me, the, the crybabies, the best-sounding ones, also happen to be the most tone-suckiest ones. But yeah. they're also they're the best sounding ones. You can't get them, and even changing the switch in that to a true bypass changes the effect, the actual you know voice of the wah. So they're very touchy to that. So I don't know. I don't even know what I was saying with that. It's just like <laughs> let's leave no. the old cool stuff alone if we can, and you know, and if you're gonna buy something, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a '50s burst, and you're like, all right. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to own it for the rest of my life. Do whatever you want with it. That's fine. You've taken it out of circulation. Nobody, you know, you're not, you're not keeping somebody from owning something original, but, um, and do whatever the fuck you want with it. Smash it. As we said in another episode, I don't care. But if you're just like looking to find your sound and you're using like cool guitars as a springboard for experimenting, I mean, I think we're beyond that now. There's so much other ways to get something unique. You don't need to do that. And that's just where I stand on the whole modification. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I couldn't agree more. And and exactly to your point about somebody buying that thing and then doing what you want with it, do what you want with it, but don't show us all on Facebook. (laughs) Thank you. Because, you know, (laughs) I don't want to be sad and cry when I see some beautiful guitar that's been screwed up with or whatever, you know. Um, But also, um, it's interesting to see like some of the just kind of ding batty things that happen. I was, I was playing a gig a few weeks ago and I was telling you this dude's setting up for the show and he's got his Les Paul in his hands and I'm, I'm watching him and I'm like, I'm like, he's going to drop that thing. And sure as shit, he dropped that Les Paul right on its face, snapped the headstock. And I'm like, Oh fuck. I would have been in the fetal position. I wouldn't have been able to do the gig, but he was a ch- he was a champ. Like he fuck, he did the show. And but anyway, that was <laughs> that's a recent one I saw firsthand, which just made me cry because I have a couple Les Pauls and I shudder every time I see one of those headstock breaks. Uh, it just it just sucks. Yeah, um, I I've been fortunate enough that I have it, and I I don't like strap locks at all, especially like the Dunlop ones. Uh-huh. The big bulky ones, a couple reasons is they're big and bulky. They take up too much room. It's hard to get, if you leave them on, it's hard to get your guitar in the case and whatnot. But also they don't work. I mean, I just, many, many times they break. I mean, <laughs> two rehearsals yeah. I had with the Riff Brokers, one of my bands, our bass player, Heather, her, she just picks up her bass and it's broken. The um, <laughs> strap lock is broken. So they give you a false sense of security. Um, right. And they're bulky. I mean, I, when I use any sort of locking system, it's one of those girls tabs. It's just a rubber washer that goes oh, over. Got it. it. Takes no space. But also, I am also a fan of just fucking hanging onto your guitar <laughs> and I'm plugging it when you're not. I mean, especially. I mean, especially a Gibson. I mean, a Gibson, you know, falls on its face. That's the perfect angle for the yeah. headstock to break. I mean, and we mentioned, you know, it is possible to drop a Gibson and not have it break. Um, like when I was working at a guitar shop, I watched a Les Paul standard fall from probably eight feet in the, in the air. It was on a stand two oh, rows geez. up and it hit and drove the end pin right up through the body. But the headstock was fine. It took a <laughs> bottom of that. But I mean, it's got to land a special way. And But it, right. the way it naturally falls off a stand is the special way. So right. <laughs> unplug your damn guitar. 
hold on to it. If you use strap locks, that's fine. If you're a fan of strap locks, but don't let allow them to lull you into a false sense of security because they are not beyond breaking. And, um, you know, the springs break and they lose, and they fall off that the whole thing will come right off your strap. So that's a good point. Cause I mean, I, I do have some strap locks on some of my guitars and exactly like I've even like fastened it quote, and I'm using quotes here and then it wasn't fastened, right? It wasn't fastened all the way. Like I didn't fasten it properly and I almost, yeah. So I think you're right. I think there is some false sense of security we get with these strap lock systems and shit that, you know, maybe just use regular strap buttons and shit. Make sure your guitars. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Mean, it never hurts to hold on to your guitar when you're on stage and to keep it up <laughs> this way that are walking around on stage when it's yeah. plugged in. And then you can use a, you know, strap locks are a great extra security level to have. I mean, they're not going to hurt anything if you can deal with the bulk. But yeah, I mean, you know, someone walking around with their hands off the guitar, you know, jumping around on stage with strap locks on you. I mean, you might be safe, but just know that you might not. I mean, I think a class action lawsuit against the Shaler <laughs> company in order. I'm going to spearhead that. I'm, hey, I'm on board. Let's at least put a disclaimer in there. Like uh, you're not as safe as you think you are. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's right. That Now that I think about that, working at the guitar shop in the back room, I had a whole drawer full of like hardware parts and there were tons of broken strap lock parts. About I there. bet. Because you would take the good parts and match them to the parts that broke on other strap locks. So, yeah. Right. Just an FYI. And search Google. I'm sure there's other people out there talking about broken strap straps. Totally. I and that's probably some, – some person would probably come in looking for a spare strap lock part, right? Because theirs broke down and – yeah, I'm oh, sure I have one because some other guy dropped his last paw and I and I've got <laughs> exactly marry it up to you. You can go break your last paw. Oh my gosh! So yeah, and th these are horror stories. They are they're true everyday horror stories. So modifications plays into that. I mean, we all love to personalize and make our stuff completely unique. So I, I get that. Yeah. Um, but, I can't think of anything I've ever done to one of my instruments that is like that's changed it in a way. And well, yeah, I mean, I have a a very nice, you know, 1980 um, made in Japan Les Paul copy, um, and I shaved all the finish off the back of the neck. I mean, so people look at it and they're like, "Oh, what did you do?" Because it was um, it was a thin poly finish, so it wasn't like the big thick finishes, but it, it was black right. and it did feel it was a little bit. Didn't feel good on my hand, so I just took a scraper and scraped it all off. Put a couple coats of shellac on there. I'm keeping that guitar forever, though, so I don't, you know, I don't care. It's it's got a really unique voice. It works for me. I love it. So, I mean, well, but it's not like you scalloped the fretboard or or routed out the uh, the pickup cavity. It's like, you know, you shaved some finish off the the neck, which made it, you know, better for you to play. You know, right? No, I mean, which I, is totally cool. So, no, I get it. I mean, I'm not – I mean, we do things to personalize our instruments and, and to try to get sounds out of them that, you know, they, they're not capable of getting. But um, nowadays, to repeat what I've said is, you know, there's many, many ways to do that. Um, you know, do it to a Paul Reed Smith, you know. <laughs> yeah, why yeah. not? My God. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point is there's just so many options these days. You don't really need to, like – mod something like an, especially a vintage piece of gear or an old piece of gear you don't need to do that um in order to be unique or special or and and you and i talked about this before too it's like i really respect 
uh, guitar techs too, that if somebody brings their guitar into this person and says, Hey, I want you to put frets between the frets, or I want you to like take this 64 strat and make the body into like a dragon that they'll go, no, I'm not the guy to do that. You know, if you want to go find somebody else that will do that for you, that's fine. But I'm not going to take this neat guitar and right. screw it up right. because you want to put frets between frets or, or make it into a dragon. No, I get that. I appreciate that too. But I, I will say this is I've come across in my, in my experiences, a few like very sweet vintage guitars that had been modded a long time ago and they've uh-huh. fallen into the, they fall into the category of, Oh my God, I can get this beautiful old wood vintage guitar that has a tasteful modification. Like there was a junior not too long ago from the fifties. Uh-huh. I think it was late fifties single cut junior that had one humbucker in the bridge and it was routed correctly. You know, it looks really cool. And it's like, you know what? It lost its, you know, full on vintage, right. you know, price tag, but this is a great guitar. Whatever pickup they use yeah. was perfect for the, the mahogany and it sounded great. So, so, and somebody, it didn't, last long so somebody snagged that so there are you know post horror story deals <laughs> out there and, and when that works you might as well take that i'm sure there's a million like melody makers out yeah. there that somebody that like just, just bit the bullet and like okay i'm gonna i'm putting a humbucker in this bitch i don't care what you say <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I can, yeah. and there, there's definitely the damage is done there's still good guitars as long as they don't have a a kaler on them unless you have a <laughs> You know, there, too much wood when you put one of those Kalers on is gone. I mean, you lose too much of that. And that's old wood. And it, I mean, it's like, you know, sure, it's four inches of, you know, vintage mahogany. But, you know, it's vintage mahogany. So I don't know. I don't even know what I'm that's saying. A, no, I think that's a great point. I mean, there there are some mods that weren't as intrusive or damaging to the guitar. And it's an old guitar. It's a vintage guitar. And, yeah, it, 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 it lost a little value. But it, that's something you can pick up for cheaper than you normally would if it was all original yeah i totally get that and i i too have seen some cool guitars like melody makers or juniors or specials or whatever where somebody yeah wanted a humbucker or something so it was a slight modification but it you know it like to your point it, it made it an affordable vintage guitar that you could get and it's not a mod that's like crazy or or shitty to the guitar so yeah i think that's valid I'll give you that. And I don't know where this is in the scope of this discussion, but one thing I remember about when I was first starting out is gear was so expensive and hard to get by that I, I knew a number of people that would acquire like a Fender head, like like a Bandmaster head or a basement head or something like that, it's put all their money towards that, and they'd be stuck coming up with some sort of speaker system. And there were a lot of horror stories with that. A lot of things got really uh, – really frugally created. I remember one dude who played, he had a really sweet Stratocaster and he had a, he was a great player too. And he had a bandmaster head radio shack used to figure very highly into modifications for guitar players because they had decent shit. I mean, he went right. out and bought two 12 inch radio shack speakers, which were probably branded by Utah or one of these, you know, non completely shitty guitar company speaker companies. And he put together a cabinet out of like, an old dresser or something. He took the drawers out and put wood on the front <laughs> and just these like crafty ways to get into rock and roll. And that thing sounded like the voice of God for some reason. I don't know what he, he, he hit everything right. That's awesome. Playing, you know, he had a um, 70s Stratocaster. I think it was 76. It was the um, natural wood Stratocaster in it. 
and it sounded great. I mean, he he was one of the first guitar players that kind of blew me away. But um, and that's what he played through a, a fucking either with basement or a bandmaster with a dresser, <laughs> drawers taken out of a cabinet. I mean, that's pretty freaking awesome. I I uh, that's cool. I dig that. But yeah, Radio Shack used to figure out. I mean, that's where we all got our first microphones or mic stands. Oh yeah, whatever you know. It's through Radio Shack. You had to yeah. go that through Radio Shack to get to the next step, PV. So, <laughs> That's awesome. I liked it. So I thought it was a basement that you and your buddy cut in half. It was a. It was. You know a, what? I don't even know what. Like I said, I don't even remember what model it was. It was just this cool. I know it was a vintage tweed amp, and it was freaking cool. And it was in. It was in his garage, and we sawed that fucker in half, and and made a stack out of that damn thing. Just, I mean, it's worthless now, really. I mean, I guess the electronics, you know, the oh, it's like, still great that for that, but yeah, you yeah, know, but it's the whole damage. Oh yeah, well, we. You know where that is now? I have no idea. I I have no idea where that sucker went. That would be interesting to know, though. Like if some dude, smart person, you know, saw that 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 the head was a, a vintage Fender and said, oh, okay, these dumbasses did this. I'll buy it. I'll buy it off you for a hundred bucks and sure, right, sure. And then put and then put it into like a you know, find an old housing for it or something. But yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we just, that's, or, you know, where did that show up? Did it turn up at a yard sale? Somewhere right. Exactly. These basement chassis. Exactly. This big, ugly orange that. stack. You can do that. But I, I do, I specifically recall back in that day, the few times I'd been around any of those old, like tweed amps, they were completely undesirable to idiots like us. Like, oh, totally. Like I want a suitcase. Why would I want that? I exactly. Want, I want a PV Deuce. I want I a Marshall. Fuck, I want a Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. To, exactly. You, you hit it on the head. It's like, I didn't, that, those tweed amps to us back then, we, we were just long haired stoner rockers that want that, that saw like rush and van halen and said i want that i want that stack that you know this this cool little fender you know and then once you get older you're like shit that would have been freaking cool to have in my in my little arsenal of amps but yeah we were just dumb at, you know beavis and butthead tearing this shit up you know it was sad well where is it now i don't know wow <laughs> yeah i was trying to think of other damage done or 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 mods done to guitars that were popular the floyds were just i just remember that distinctly because it was that's the kind of rock that you know what with eddie van halen doing all that shit with the whammy bar and all these other guitarists that was the hot thing okay i I gotta have that you know whammy system that doesn't go out of tune and everybody drilled out their guitars guitar uh, tuners too headstocks like a lot of headstocks reamed to put on big heavy ass grovers Um, oh right right Anytime anyone spotted the hint of plastic on a button, right. even those really nice Clusons, you know, that Fender used or whatever, those were gone. I, got, I can't yeah. have them. Those won't stay in tune, which yeah. is completely false. But So then those would get yanked and pulled off, and they would be routed a lot of times for bigger bushings. So, I mean, it was, there's nothing wrong with those rubbers. They can make them, the headstock a little heavier, but... Um, they're, I mean, they're good tuners, but you saw a lot of Grovers on a lot of Gibsons. And um, yep. I don't know what they did to Fenders, like when um, they yanked at those cheap Fenders. But so, yeah, tuners were a good thing to go. A lot of brass, you know, remember, let's not forget the brass age. The I brass, the brass age. nuts. I know. <laughs> Yank that nut, get brass on there, get those saddles off there, put some brass <laughs> on there. And what were let's do a giant brass plate to the back of the headstock. <laughs> Just for more to say. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's speeding in the exact opposite direction of where everybody is today. I got to make this heavier. 
I got to make this instrument heavier and have more sustain. And yeah, and, well, not only that, yeah, like you said, it's like yeah, we we go through these weird little phases, and then luckily we come out the end going, geez, what did we just do? You know, that these old guitars are just fine the way they are. They're cool. These tuners are fine. You know, these pickups are fine. They're you know that you know a person gets a Strat because it sounds like a Strat. They get a uh, Les Paul because it sounds like a Les Paul. You know, I'm not gonna. I am glad to see that most of these things are phases and then we kind of come out of them kind of shaking our heads going, what the fuck did we just do? You know, like, and then we kind of come to our senses and, you know, people appreciate these old instruments for what they are and what they offer and don't want to mess with them too much. Thankfully. Right. I actually go sometimes on to the internet with the sole purpose of finding damaged goods just because kind of, it's like, just like accident watching. And the other part is looking for deals. Sometimes you can find an old, cool vintage guitar that somebody did something that makes it kind of undesirable to some people but you might see something in it that you can bring back i've never actually purchased one and brought it back but it's just kind of a thing of mine to see and there's many many horror photos out there on the internet of what people have done to their guitars. i mean i'll post them on my page sometimes because it's I'm, i'm fascinated with it and some of the ingenious like horrors that people inflict on guitars like when a head stop breaks and they don't want to fix it correctly, we have like bolts and chains right. and, <laughs> and eye hooks come into play. Yep. Yeah. So there's there's plenty of that out there for people that are into that like horror. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blast to look at those pictures. They're hilarious. Or the tons of glue that somebody put on the bridge to hold it down to the top of their acoustic or, oh my gosh, it's hilarious. We're a flawed species. We, <laughs> oh, we are severely flawed, and yes, it, we can see the manifestation of that in all the shitty things we do to musical instruments and and the like. Uh, well, what else you got, man? Let's see horror stories. I don't know, but my cats are surrounding me like a like <laughs> they eat me or something. They're just all over me. So are I'm, they licking their chops? Yeah. Now they're fighting each other. That's cool. Oh, that's good. Lord of the Flies with the cats. Totally. All right. Well, this has been a really cool special episode. Uh, it's been remote. We don't know how it's going to turn out. Um, but like us on Facebook and uh, Twitter and Instagram. And then find us on iTunes and Spotify and all the cool places you can find us and other podcasts and like us and do that stuff. And until next time, Chris, what do you got for these people? Um Next time, hopefully, we'll, we'll be coming to you from our usual place and not remote like this. And hopefully, I mean, we're supposed to get more snow, but hopefully, you'll be hearing from us again. Um, and the snow will cease at some point, and we won't all die in this snow apocalypse 2019. God, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're out of here. Goodbye. Adios. Bye.